All right, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, let's give a big hand to our visitors this morning. If they're here, give a big warm welcome. All right. uh, I want to read the scripture from Luke chapter 10 and uh, verses 38 to 42. Let me read it for you. This is the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We are... Uh, this, we are in 31 days of prayer and uh, fasting. And I was thinking that Oh, we are praying and fasting for 31 days. Maybe not everyone, but most of us are praying at least for a day or a week or for a couple of days. And I was feeling pretty good about our church and myself. And then I went to a church in India. And they were fasting and praying. Do you know for how many days? 365 days. It was there in front of the pulpit. And there's a sign. Praying and fasting for 365 days. I have looked at that church. I have watched that church. I have prayed for that church. And that church has become a powerhouse in the capital of India. And there's one thing that I could connect to. And that is prayer and fasting. When we pray and fast, it is not because we want to be spiritual. We are not trying to show to people that we are more spiritual than them, that we are more Christian than them. Far from it. Far from it. Because we're looking at resurgence. In the new year, that there is a resurgence in our church, in our spiritual life, in our relationship, in our thirst and hunger for God. And Luke 10, 38 to 42, there is... There are things there, there are principles there that we can learn. And I wanted to share that with you today. As you read here, um, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. My, our family went to the village where my mom is. And as you can see in the picture... Um, when we reached the village, my mom was there to greet all of us. And uh, as we get down from uh, the, the, the van, uh, she hugged everybody very tight. And, and I saw my mother uh, uh, giving an extra hug to my wife also. You know, it was, and she was smiling and she was happy. And as we took down all our luggage, uh, she said, uh, we're going to go to the rooms. 
And she gathered all the children, including our nieces, and the children from the children's home, our orphans. And we went to the house that we're going to stay. Before we entered the room, she passed out the hymns, the hymnals to everybody. And, uh, and then she, we, she opened the hymnals. The kids have the hymnals, you can see. And then we sang a hymn. And we sang all the verses and choruses, okay? We didn't sing like one, two, and four like we used to do here, okay? We sang all the verses and choruses. And we stood there and sang heartily. And then she welcomed us, and then she prayed for us. She prayed for our family. She prayed for the dwelling, our dwelling. And then she led us into all the rooms. It's amazing, you know. It's amazing, the power of prayer. See, when I, when I think about my mom, I think about prayer. The importance of prayer. The stuff that she gave, I probably have forgotten. But things like this are important. And why are we praying? Why is praying necessary? Because Christ talked about the one thing here. That Mary had chosen the one thing. And in order to understand the one thing that Christ talked about, we have to understand, one, hospitality and humility. Okay? I want to talk about hospitality and humility. And also, I want to talk about serving and solitude. And I want to talk about rest and relationship. Rest and relationship. Most of us understood the Bible when God talked, when, when we read Genesis, that God created all the things, all the created things on, on six days. He worked crazy for six days. He was busy crazy for six days. He worked and he created everything and he didn't do anything on the seventh day. That's how we understood it. But actually, there is a big there was a big time creation on the seventh day. It was rest. God created rest on the seventh day. And this rest was an optional rest. It wasn't an optional. It was an enforced rest. That we are supposed to have that rest. It was God enforced that rest on all of us that we will rest. He created rest. On the seventh day. Rest is not my idea. Rest is not your idea. It is God's idea. So why is rest necessary for renewal? I'm trying to tie in with this renewal. That resurgence that we need. Comes after rest. The sabbatical rest. Or Sabbath rest that we talked about. So the things I learned from Jesus on unceasing work and labor. This is what I want to talk about this morning. As you read the scripture, as you read the scripture here, uh, the word of God says that uh, Martha was distracted from much serving. Okay, The word is distraction. Now, when we are so busy, when we have this unceasing work and labor, 
it can distract us from God. Your busy life can distract you from God, from relationship with God. And Christ is pointing out, Christ is not saying the work that Martha did was not good. What he's saying is, she, he saw the distraction of Martha. When you go back in the beginning, it was part distraction on the part of Adam and Eve that led them to be deceived by the serpent. See? Because when we are distracted, truth is distorted. Distraction, distortion leads to deceive you to be deceived. And the serpent was able to deceive Eve and Adam because he distorted the truth, because they were distracted from God. They were not in relationship with God at that moment. See, the danger of distraction is that we may believe actually in the distorted truth. And what is that distorted truth? The distorted truth is that the basis of our relationship with God should be based on work. Right? That is a form of distortion. That the foundation, the base of our relationship with God should be based on work. So doing becomes more important than being. So you, your worth is defined by doing. How much work you do for God. That's how you define your relationship with God. In this case, this is not what Christ is saying. Christ is saying, you are so distracted by your work that you are not having time with me. He is not saying, Martha, don't cook the meal for me. But he's talking about the distraction. The one thing that she does not have at that time. You know, uh, 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 Martin Luther King Jr. said, everyone can be great. Because anybody can serve. Okay? You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. See? You don't need a... You only need a heart full of grace. A soul that is generated by love. But we're not talking about uh, servanthood. And serving before the Lord to become great in the kingdom of God. That's not the topic we want to talk about today. right? But this week is Martin Luther King Jr. It's a week of service. And I want to lift it up. For the contribution that he has made to this nation. And to all of us that he has inspired service. But in that service, we need to connect with love and devotion. And this is the one that I want to talk about. Love and devotion. Because not only Martha was distracted. Okay? The second thing is that Martha was disappointed. See? It is amazing that Martha was disappointed to whom? To the Lord and to Mary. Why? 
because she is distracted by much serving, much serving. So she has this ingressive, uh, uh, ingressive anger within her that is leading to explosive conversation with the Lord. See, when you have this ingressive kind of uh, hate, I don't want to use the word hate so much, but you are disappointed, you have this ingressive disappointment on other people, how would that translate? It translates into explosive conversation. And say, you do not care. She is pointing to the Lord, disappointed in the Lord, and on Mary, that they do not care. They do not care what she is doing. It's amazing. Lord, you do not care. Not only that, not only was she distracted, not only was she disappointed, one, she's also disillusioned. Because she said to the Lord Jesus, my sister has left me to serve alone. This conversation took me back to prophet Elijah. You remember? When Elijah was going up against the prophet of Baal during the time of Ahab and Zizabel, now there were about 400 prophets of Baal. And Elijah is going to God and say, God, I am the only one serving. I am the only prophet. 1 King 18, you read. And the Lord came back on, in 1 King 19. What did he say? He said, I have reserved 7,000 who have not bowed down. Elijah said, I'm only one serving. Right? The thing is, when we have this unceasing work and labor, it can cause disappointment on other people. Okay? When you have this unceasing work and labor, and you're always working, it can create, it can cause disappointment on other people. Like Martha was disappointed on Jesus. Like Martha was disappointed on Mary. You look around your church members. You look around in your leadership team and say, I am the only one working. And it is creating disappointment within your heart. You are having this ingressive disappointment that's going to finally lead to an explosive conversation with your husband, wife, leaders, and members. Are you with me? All right. So, this is the disillusion, man. This illusion. We have this disillusion. We have an illusion, I would say. That we think that we're the only one serving. I'm the only one doing in this church. I'm the only one leading the life group. I'm the only one cleaning. I'm the only one. I am the only one. Nobody is serving. That leads to being disturbed. So you were distracted in the beginning. That leads to disappointment. And then that leads to disillusionment. That you're the only one serving. And now you're disturbed. And Jesus said to Martha. You are worried. And this was the first sermon. That Christ preached. This was one of the topics that Christ preached in his first sermon. When he preached 
the Sermon of the Mount. It's his first sermon. And he said, do not worry. Right? Do not worry. Do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Our worry of life sums up on this anyway. Right? Eat, drink, wear. We work for these things. Day in and day out. We labor for these things. And say, you are worried. You are disturbed. Not only was she disturbed, worried, she was upset, distressed. Jesus said to Martha, you are troubled. In some other translation, he says, you are upset. Take all these words. Distraction, disappointment, disillusionment, being disturbed, being distressed. And what do you get? Can you build a relationship with someone with all these emotions? When you have all these emotions within you, can you build a genuine relationship with your wife, with your husband? with your children, with your friends, with your sisters, with your brother. What Jesus is saying to Martha, he is not saying, I don't want you to cook for me. But the one thing is that Jesus wants to build relationship with Martha, but she is going through all these emotions, and Martha is not able to build relationship with Christ, and that's what he is pointing out. That it is about relationship. And you cannot have relationship with Christ if you're not resting with the Lord. And there is no renewal if there is no rest. This is the reason why we ask our church members to pray for the month of January. It is not because we want to show to the world or to other churches in this in Silicon Valley that we are the spiritual powerhouse in this city. It is rather to say that we need God and without Him we cannot do anything. So let us go before Him as a church together. That was my plea. That was my plea as the pastor of this church, as the shepherd of this church, because of the responsibility that you have given to me and the calling that God has called on me, I prayed and I feel and I believe that doing this is beneficial for you and me. I didn't want the prayer to become a burden for you. I didn't want the fasting to become a burden for you. But I want it to benefit you, your family, and to us. It was not about our church. It was not about me. But it was about us drawing closer to God. Because when we are distracted, we are not only distracted from God, but we can be distracted from our relationship with one another. And when we are distracted, that's where distortion comes. 
and we are deceived to believe in the distorted truth. And that is that we can do it on our own. But things I learned from Jesus on the one thing. See, that is on unceasing work and labor. Let me say this. <laughs> when we have unceasing work and labor, you will also notice that you are doing this not to please you or to please God, but you are doing this to please others. You are doing working so hard to please others. Why do you have to work so hard? By the way, you slog and work like anything, and it is your company that benefits out of your labor. All of you, all of us in this valley, you don't get enough of what you put in. It is your boss that pockets your labor, your unceasing work and labor, and you work so hard to please him. You're doing everything you can to please your boss and to benefit the company. God is asking us to find a balance from there. He's talking about a balance. He's not saying don't work. No, I didn't say that. I never said that. But he's asking you to find a balance from this unceasing work and labor because he enforced rest for you and I. So one thing I learned from this one thing is that discipleship, right? Sitting at the feet is more than hospitality. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is more than hospitality. Discipleship is about humility. You're not going to sit at the feet of Jesus or somebody or someone, a leader in this church... When you don't have humility. It is easy to welcome somebody in, into the church. Say, welcome, come on in. Come to the life group. Come to Super Bowl party. But you may not actually have a humble heart. See, hospitality is different from humility. You may give all the food or the tri-tips, but you may be distracted, disappointed, disillusioned, disturbed, and distressed over someone. That is not going to lead to a genuine, authentic relationship. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Why? Because there is devotion. She heard the word from the Lord Jesus. So we must devote our time to sit at the feet of Jesus. To do what? To hear what he says to us. Because in the end, that is our destiny. Eternal relationship with Jesus is the one thing. And nothing is more important than Jesus. So, Jesus, the Lord of our life, of the universe, came to Martha's house. And she was not able to connect with him because she was distracted, disappointed, disillusioned, distressed, disturbed. All there. 
we can be working so hard trying to make this church grow. Working on our media, social media posts, live streaming, worship arrangement, offering, prayer. We do all these things. We are so busy doing those things, unceasing work and labor, that we forget one thing, that is to connect with God and with His people. This is not new. In Exodus, let me read it for you. Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. I don't know whether you have read this before, but this is amazing. Just listen and bear with me. And he said, they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, paved work of sapphire stone as it were the body of heaven in his clearness in some other translation it was like the blue sky the basement was like sapphire clear pure as the blue sky and upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand also they saw God and did not and did eat and drink. The also was like an afterthought. When you read this scripture, okay, when you read this scripture, the focus is not on Moses or Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, or the, or, or the 70, 70 elders seeing God. You know, what was the focus on? The focus was on the pavement that was like sapphire, pure like a blue sky. That was the focus. It was the path. The path was the, the focus, the path that will lead to eternal relationship with God. Also, they saw God. It was like a footnote here. That brings to the feet. <coughs> when we sit <coughs> down at the feet of Jesus, then we're able to see the path. At the feet of Jesus, we can see the path. So if we have lost our direction in life, then we have to figure out where we are. Are we sitting at the feet of Jesus to hear his word, hear his instructions, give his guidance and wisdom how to live our life daily? Or are we running around crazy? And telling God, you do not care, Lord. You don't care what I'm going through. He wants you to slow down, rest, sit at his feet, so you can hear him speaking to you. When I left to go to India, there were so many things in my mind. You know, inwardly, I have, in, so the inward anxiety leads to outward agitation, okay? So I have this inward anxiety, and the outward agitation was who, who was receiving it? It was my wife and my kids, right? Because my body was screaming for rest, and my soul was crying for renewal. And as God on the plane, 
my body was not settling down. It was like full of energy, battery, right? Going here, you know. And we went to Zurich, and we stayed there for a day in Zurich. Still, I'm not calming down. And by the way, I just know at the tone and the level that I'm talking to my kids and my wife. Why do I have this inward anxiety? Church, this is what I want to share. Because last year, we had 49 people of our church member that, that left the church. Okay? Out of the 49, 45 people were retired and they moved. It wasn't because they didn't like me. Okay? I can't speak for the four people. Okay? Uh, but the 45 people, they left. Now, leaving a church of our size, 45 people, that's a lot of people. We were able to sustain because new people came in. But our desire is to see growth every year, right? Now, we're not going to see the growth that we want to see because 40, 49 people left. 45 retired and moved away from here. It was bearing down on me. What am I going to do about this? When I come back, I got a God who... I, I got to work hard. And I was like, Martha, I'm so distracted and disappointed, disillusioned and distressed and disturbed. God's trying to catch my attention. He's not getting my attention. I'm worried and upset. Not upset with people that left, but just with the situation. And as the trip went on, and I saw the church worshiping in the basement, then I was at the slum. I mean, there's no life to live. And there are like hundreds of kids waiting for us to come. Sitting on the floor. Waiting the whole morning. Coming in the afternoon. And I worship with the university students. And I went to the village. And preached to thousands of people. And the Lord calmed me down. And he's showing me all the works that he is doing. In different parts of the world. And my distress, my distraction, my inward anxiety and outward agitation kind of just slowly diminishes and went away. Then he spoke to me, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And he spoke to me and to say, read Genesis chapter 3 in my dream. And I got up early in the morning and read Genesis chapter 3. See, it's the temptation of Adam and Eve. Right? And all of us have this inward inclination to do good or to do bad. But if we are not sitting at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will be deceived to believe that all the works and the busyness and the fussiness that we have is actually glorifying God. And it is not. So when Sharon picked songs like, I surrender all, Lord, he reigns. 
It suits my heart. And as a church, we share a burden together. I want you to share my burden, so I'm sharing my heart. That if we are close to God, if we sit at His feet, we will be able to see the path that He wants our church to lead. So if you have not prayed for the 14 days because you were distracted, disappointed, distressed, disturbed, and disillusioned, I would like you to pray one day in this coming 15, 16 days for the church. Just pray one day for the church. Can you do that? Pray that we will glorify Him. Pray that we will hear His voice. I want to be a good shepherd to this church. And that means I have to hear His voice. Okay. You may not like me for who I am. My style, just the person, personality, you may not like me. But beyond that, the words that I say, I want it to be directed by God. That the words that are spoken are relevant to you despite the struggle you have to connect with me. Because it's not about me. Right? It's all about God. And I want to hear His voice. I want to faithfully lead this church and not be distracted like that again by numbers and have this inward anxiety and outward agitation and aggression in my relationship to my wife and my kids, to my staff, to the church members. But in the end, we do the one thing well. What is that one thing? Jesus. Eternal relationship with Him. And out of that, all the other things flows out from us. At the feet of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? It's great to be back. It's really great to be back with the people that I love and care. Yeah. Let's stand together.